Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 73 of Legally Clueless. I'm so happy that you listen to this podcast. Do join our tribe on Instagram, that's at Legally Clueless Podcast. So in this episode, you're going to listen to a very interesting story and I love it because it talks about identity, which is something I definitely, especially after I left my job, had a bit of a situation trying to navigate that, but I'll get into that later. But the story is awesome. Listen to this. Now, there's this thing you used to do in high school. After every exam, you congregate and you start discussing the questions. And he's saying, Kevin Onyango, 52, very well done. And then me, I'm over there like, eh, 45, 45? I'm going to get 45. You know, <laughs> he got to 35 and I didn't hear my name. I went to law school. First year, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer, an advocate. I'm going to be shouting, Yona! And objection! I read all of Biko's stories in one sitting. I remember going to bed at around 6.30 a.m. When I woke up at midday, I said, I'm going to start a blog. His name is Magunga, and I just love this story because it talks about identity. Whew, man. However, how close was I to disappointing you, i.e. not being able to give you this particular episode? The last 24 hours (laughs) have been so hectic. So Saturday morning, I wake up and normally I chill on Saturdays, but I was like, no, the story in this episode was actually like two hours long when we recorded it. So I was like, let me edit it on Saturday so that when I'm producing on Sunday, I'm not overwhelmed with work. So I get up on Saturday. The sun is shining. It's been a while since we've had sun in Nairobi. I'm in a good mood. I'm doing my self-care things. I have my black seed face mask on. I'm playing some of my favorite jams, you know, (laughs) ready to have a nice chill day doing work, but it's work that I love. So once I'm done with the self-care stuff, I move into my home office stroke studio. I turn on my laptop and it's the laptop where I do all my podcast stuff. So everything is saved on it. the tags, everything I need to produce an episode of Legally Clueless, including the over 80 African stories I've already recorded. So I turn it on. I'm still playing my jams on my Bluetooth speaker. So I'm I'm in my zone, just enjoying life. And then I'm like, but why is this comp not coming on? Like it's taking a longer time today. Next thing I see is a blue screen. Now I don't know much about computers, but I know blue screens are not dope. (laughs) But this one had like a barcode and they were like, oh, the prompt was the comp has been unable to restart, scan this QR code. And if you have an IT guy, I'm like, what do you mean if I have an IT guy? I am the IT guy. (laughs) The team is me. (laughs) So I try restart it again because it prompts me to do that. It doesn't start up again. Then it takes me to this troubleshooting page. One of the options is you can reset your computer um, and still keep all your files. So I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I try that. It takes about an hour. Just when it looks like it's about to be finished, it stops and gives an error. T.O. We ran into a problem trying to restart the comp. I'm like, see, tell me what the problem is then. Like... <laughs> Help me help you. At this point, I'm freaking the hell out. 
and I call my partner Falgoon. I'm like, oh my God, my comp is not coming on. It has all my stuff in it. I backed up half of the stuff, but I didn't back up the African stories. Yes. So I'm like, oh my word. Do you know me who doesn't go to church? I saved the rosary. <laughs> I didn't even know I remembered the prayers. <laughs> Oh my God, I was drenched in stress and I'm currently trying to control my stress for health reasons. So the stress gets ahead of me. I run to the bathroom and I puke. Like that's how hectic my stress gets. Father's just like, just wait for me to get back home from work and I'll sort it out. Don't worry. And he called the guy we got the computer from who's an actual IT guru. <laughs> So I'm, I I don't have an IT guy, but I know an IT guy. And he gets home. They do this disc scan for hours. I puke again because I'm just like, oh, my God, why was I such an idiot? Why didn't I back it up? Like, what the hell? And then we thought that scan was going to rectify things. It didn't. So it's 7 p.m. I'm hyperventilating. And so... The IT guy, we send him photos of what the screen is showing. And he's like, oh, okay. It just means that you need to do a system restore or something like that. And so we do that. He said it would take maybe 30 or 40 minutes. It takes over an hour. Again, I'm stressing out throughout this hour. Please note, I haven't eaten the entire day because I'm just stressed about it. And then finally at about, I think, 8.30, the comp restarts. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> I was so stressed, you guys. Like, you don't even understand. I was so stressed that I didn't cry. And I'm a crier. I was past the point of crying. Anyway, so immediately I start backing up things. Throughout this process, I'm chatting one of my closest friends and favorite people in the world. And he's just like, what do you mean you hadn't backed it up? I'm like, yeah, I was working on the comp. He's like, you should never work from the computer work from your hard disk and then also back it up on a cloud service and ah uh, hey <laughs> i was just like now what episode am i going to record for full like <laughs> is this how it ends is this the end of legally clueless <laughs> anyway we managed to sort it out but two things one i've got to back up everything which i have done now Two, I need to really learn how to manage my stress because there'll always be stresses in life. But yeah, those are my last 24 hours. So it was pretty hectic. Okay, so the kids in our block are outside playing football. And I just don't want to be a mean neighbor and be like, keep quiet. So if you hear them in the background, it's just ambiance, you know, roll with it. Although it sounds like it's a fight now. Maybe I should check on them. <laughs> All right. So the kids are done. I basically just waited for them to <laughs> finish their game of football. Turns out nobody was getting beaten up or hurt. Those sounds are normal from children. I wouldn't know. However, I want us to jump into the song of the week. And I'm really happy that it's a song that's reflective of my mood. As much as the last 24 hours have just been whew, stress packed, 
I'm not in the funk that I was in, what, three, four episodes ago? So I'm pretty thankful for that. Yeah, so the song. The song is by Kagwe Mungai. It's called Good Times. Whenever I play the song, I think of my little cousin, who really is my little sister, Stephanie. She lives in the States. So when I was in the States last year, I got to see her after I was done with the work I was there to do. And we were like driving around, playing this song. And so it always just reminds me of such good times. And the name of the song, oh my God, I didn't plan that. The name of the song is Good Times. It's by Kagwe Mungai. It's off an album he dropped last year called Spectrum. So if you check the description of this episode, the song is in there. And I'd actually urge you to listen to the entire album. It's pretty awesome. Okay, so I really want us to jump into the story in this episode. I love it so much. Storyteller is my friend Magunga. He has a fantastic blog. His writing is amazing. He takes amazing photographs. He is a mixologist. He is a lawyer, like an all-round really cool guy. And his story talks about identity. And when we started recording it, we didn't know that's where it was heading. Because at the very beginning, he talks about his name and how he got his name. And name is a huge source of identity, especially if you think about culturally, right? And then just the various experiences he goes through in life, some of which scratch at his identity. One reason I really loved this story is because I remember when I left KISS last year, I met a close friend a couple of months after that, and he was introducing me to his friend. This was, I think it was in a club, I'm not sure. I still remember this this particular friend has known me for over 10 years. So they knew me before I got into radio. But when he was introducing me to his other friend who I did not know, he says, this is Adele and she used to be one of Kenya's top presenters. And I was so taken aback by that. Luckily, I'd done a lot of work on like my identity before I resigned. So just knowing this job is a title, the work I do at this job is what I do well. It's not who I am. Luckily, I'd done that work, but I was just like, wow, you really have to prepare yourself when you make certain decisions in your life. Because if I hadn't done the work on my identity, that particular situation would have completely fucked me up. That's why I'm so passionate about this particular story on identity. And I hope you relate with it as much as I did. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. Ha! My introduction will take an hour. Because <laughs> let me tell you, I'm a Luo man, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is George Williams Magunga Oduor, aka Opinia. My birth came with controversy at home. Eh? My mom at first thought I was going to be a girl. She had actually even bought girl stuff. When I was born, my dad had named everyone else after people in his family. So my mom was like, ah, I'm going to name this one after my favorite uncle. His name was John Opinia. But because she expected me to be a girl, she was like, you're going to be Joan. So it's going to be Joan Opinia. So I come out and I'm I have a dick. So she's like, Okay, you're going to be John Opinia. So when my dad comes into the maternity room, he sees he's sired a boy. And then he's like, Wala la la la. When is when was this boy born? March twelfth. 
this is my father. This one. But then my mom is like, but you've, you named the previous one after your father. And like, no, like my uncle. But you know, in Luo culture, there is no such thing as an uncle. You only have fathers. It's your dad. Your dad's brothers are also your dad. So everyone, you call everyone who are So it's like, my dad, this is my father. Look at him. Look at the nose. Look at everything. And he was born on March 12th. That's the day my, my that father of mine died. This one, this one is Magunga. So Magunga's name was George Magunga. So my mom is like, let's share. My dad is like, no. You're not sharing. This is Magunga. My mom is like, no, this is Opinia. Then my dad leaves. Then this, um, the nurse asks, which name are we putting here? George Opinia. So I, I was named George Opinia at birth. My dad, I don't know if he was livid or whatever, but he makes sure that the, when I'm taken to nursery school, the person who took me, you know, is one of those relatives from Sharks, but from my dad's side. This relative takes me to school. And Aliza, what's his name? Anasema Nini? George Magunga. So I grew up being called Magunga, 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 Magunga. Now, in the middle of, of primary school, around class six, right? I meet this, this character in a history book. I don't know why. His name is George Williamson. And I liked that name, Williamson. So my dad's name is William. I thought Williamson meant the son of William. Yes, William's son. William's son or son, whichever it is. So, in class 6, term 2, I decided to take up that name, Williamson. We were sitting exams, and then I started writing my name, not as George Magunga, but as George Williamson. The thing is, I forget. So, some papers I've written George Williamson, some papers I've written George Magunga. So, one day, when we are waiting to close school, the teacher, class teacher comes in because she, he's compiling results, right? And then he's like, who is George Magunga? And then I stand up. And who is George Williamson? <laughs> <laughs> I get to class 8 and I have to sit for KCPE. Between class 6 and class 8, I just went back to George Magunga. So when you get to class 8, you're told, oh, you can't just use George Magunga. There are probably other George Magungas. In my life, I'd never met another George Magunga. But they insisted that you can never know, so let's use, add like another name. So me, I like, oh, we are adding. And then that place where you write your name was long. I was like, I counted the characters and I was like, we're adding. Why add one? Let's add two. They said, put your father's name. So I counted. If I put Williamson, because I wanted to just take my father's names, William Odor, right? But then I remembered Williamson, right? I really liked that name. But then I counted the characters in that thing. It was going to take four names. If I put George Williamson Magunga, it wouldn't have had enough characters to complete Odor. So I shortened it to Williams. So I became George Williams Magunga Odor. And that's how on my KCP certificate it's written. KCSE, that's how it's written. University, I just became, I gave myself names. <laughs> so I go to university, right? I'm campaigning to become a student leader and I want to make posters. People call me Magunga, but they don't know my other names. For some reason, and let me tell you, by the way, the reason why I wanted Williamson at the beginning is because when I was a kid, I didn't like the name Magunga. It sounded so bush, so ocha, right? So... I wanted something modern. Eh? I wanted to be George Williamson. I wanted to be George Williamson. I didn't want this Magunga or Doer. What, what, what are those, right? You get to university and then you realize, hey, this name Magunga, nobody has it. And then now you want to be unique. First of all, it starts with campaigning to be a student leader. I wanted a name that you could recognize, a name that, you know, that flows off the tongue. So I decided from then henceforth that my name is Magunga. Williams. That's how I became Magunga Williams. It was a long process changing affidavit, going to the registrar to become George Williams Magunga. It was a 
whole different story. And that was necessitated when I now had to get a passport and my birth certificate had George Opinya, my ID and my other certificate had George Williams Magungodur. And you know, the Kenya government was like, you know, these are two different people. They told me, go bring all your other certificates, go bring your father's death certificate, your mother's certificate, go bring the, the milk from the tits of a dragon and all these things. Hey man, that was, that was, that was, that was hectic. Yeah, so I became Magunga Williams. And then I started my blog. My blog at first used to be called The Real G and then I just changed it to The Magunga. Because I hated that name and then when I started loving it, I loved it completely. Um, where I'm from is also not an easy thing to say. So I was born in Nairobi. In 91. In 92, my parents moved to Kisumu. And I grew up in Kisumu my whole life. Up until I was now joining university. And then I came to Nairobi. But that's just places I've lived. Um, where I'm from is, if you're being honest, it's where I'm from is where my father is from. And that is in Siaya, Alego Siaya. So I told you I started my blog, The Magunga. I started writing my blog when I was in campus. I went to law school. First year... I joined first year. I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer, an advocate. I'm going to be shouting, Your Honor! And objection! And, you know, all those things we watched in Boston Legal and the practice. Remember Alan Shaw? Ah, man, that guy, he could go on and on. I was like, that is me. Give me, just give me time. Just give me time. And then I went to law school. Well, to be honest, I didn't go to law school because of Alan Shaw. I went to law school because in Form 2, I dropped physics. In Form 1, I lost my dad. And then, that first time, I didn't finish. Because we went for the burial. And then when I came back, people had already done exams. And so I just, like I spent very short time. I didn't do a lot of exams. Now, in Form 2 is when now I was sitting for exams. Now, this physics teacher was like, bro, if I give you a paper, I'd never sat for his exam. He told the class, last term was your introduction. But from this term, the paper is out of 70. If you get below 35, you're, you're given kiboko for, for every question you get wrong. And so for me, I'm like, okay, but physics looks like it's not hard. At least I'll get half. So on the day of the exam, he comes and says, if I give you a paper, do not talk to me. Do not talk to your neighbor. All these question papers are correct and the same. There's nothing you're asking. So he, he, he gives the question papers around. And the question papers are the ones that have spaces for where you put your answers. And then he leaves. So me, you know, me, I'm, I'm like, okay, so I'm given my paper. I start right. Ah, these questions are easy. I've asked this exam. Yet I'm not getting half. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm getting 45 out of 70. Minimum. I finish the paper. I look around. People are still hunching over, writing, writing. I'm like, what are these people writing? Me, I've, I've finished. When he comes back, who is finished to go? Me, I give out my paper and I leave. Now, there's this thing you used to do in high school. After every exam, you congregate and you start discussing the questions. And then you start gauging, you know. So if you need to prepare your buttocks for Kiboko, you start early, you know, psychologically. So when people are discussing answers, we discuss, we discuss. And then all of a sudden, I'm hearing people discuss questions. I'm like, hey, UPL exam, was that also in the paper? <laughs> I, I just leave it. We go, we finish the papers and then he's the first teacher to return papers this guy he's usually like the following people are safe he gives back the question papers like in order from the highest to the low to the lowest and he's saying um kevin onyango 52 very well done and then me i'm over there like eh, 45 45 i'm going to get 45 you know <laughs> bro like he got to 35 and i didn't hear my name so i'm like there must be a mistake. 
he didn't count properly. So when he got to 32, I was given my paper. So you see, the thing is, I'm confused. How did I get 32? I start flipping. I'm like, Akunata excess. I'm just saying tick, tick, tick. So like, I have like a few, like three or four wrong answers over here. So where, where, how? So I ask my neighbor for the paper. I'm comparing, comparing. That's when it hit me that the paper that I was given did not have a question leaflet. You know, the way they used to be like four or five, they are stapled together. In mine, it didn't have like one or is it one or two? I, I, I sat a paper less like about six questions that had, you know, it was six questions that had almost like four marks, four marks, four marks. So like about, I didn't, like I missed out on about 24 marks. I'm like, ah, he has to understand. I mean, it was his fault. He said, do not speak. Do not turn to your neighbor, right? And that is what I did. So, I, I carry myself. I'm like, teacher, you made a mistake. Now, the thing is, Mr. Adipo was not one to make mistakes. And he would never admit that he made a mistake. So, I explained to him. He's like, no, I don't want to listen to it. You, how did you not notice? I'm like, but teacher, you told us to just shut up and start writing. He's like, don't argue with me. And me, you know, the thing is, I told you I'm a last born. Eh? Last born's... And this was my first time. So me, I'm like, I'm still entitled. So I'm like, but but it is your fault. And then, you just go, you bend, you receive your, your share. Because you got 32, you are supposed to get three strokes and then you go. But me, me, me have always known my rights. It is not my fault. You gave me less question papers. How is that my fault? Eh, you know... He was, he was the teacher on duty that week, I remember, because there was a station. There's a station where teachers on duty used to sit in the staff room. And it had a window for students to come and, you know, report and whatever. Student matters. He told me to bend over a chair and insert my head under the desk so that your ass is up in the air. And you're told to hold on to the, to the meza so that you hold on to the table, you don't, you don't resist. And if, if he canes you and you scratch, you have rubbed starts again. And me, I'm over there trying to argue with this man. And then another teacher, eh, Mr. Airo, who was our teacher for history. He was known to be very fierce. He's like, Kijana, you want to fight with the teacher? Simply because I'm saying it is not my fault. You know, like, what do you mean I want to fight with the teacher? I'm not trying to fight this guy. Let me tell you, Mr. Nipo was about six foot seven. He was so long. Ups, upwards, eh? When he was entering the class, he had to bend to enter the class. How can I fight this beast? Me, I'm trying to explain myself. I, I received a slap from Mr. Depo. You know, like, it's, it's tall. It's like the, the slap is coming from heaven. Bend. I bent. He caned me three strokes. And I hated that man. I hated that man. In Form 2, there was a shortage of physics teachers. Usually in my school, you could, you were supposed to do all three sciences. But this time there was a shortage of physics teachers, and so physics became optional. So I dropped physics. Me, I was like, people are dropping physics. I am dropping physics. <laughs> this motherfucker is not coming to teach me ever again. So when they had, when teachers heard that I was dropping, they were concerned. Why are you dropping physics? I was like, I don't like physics. Mm -hmm. I'm dropping it because I don't like it. At that time, some kids who are not even doing well in physics are insisting, crying, begging. <laughs> To go back to a physics class, me, I'm like, I'm, so take my spot there. My mother came 
how they sat me down they were like you know physics is the gateway to most careers in Kenya if, if you drop physics you automatically lock yourself out from you what and what careers you can't become a doctor you know sometimes i'm being told can't become a doctor i'm like i never told you i wanted to become a doctor so they asked me so what do you want to be and from the top of my head i said i want to be a lawyer my mother was seated there the careers department head seated there my mom at that time is a single mother the thing is her brother was a lawyer had just graduated and was practicing the well of brother you know is a lawyer so you can't tell me the law is not a profession no it was a very well calculated thing so they went and checked does law require physics no what does it require blah 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 so that's how i end up in law school because me i went to work for those 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 subjects that will get me to law school i get in law school i want to become a lawyer i want to become alan show i want to become i didn't know any kenyan lawyers <laughs> other than my uncle first year first year I'm, i'm i'm not passing i'm just getting c's eh? so after first year you go you go home for a long holiday and then come back for second year and during this long holiday my friend sharon manoa and i will always thank her for this sent me a link to a blog post This is about 2011. It is a link to one of Biko's stories. Biko Zulu. I read that story. I remember I was in Kisumu. I read that story. I laughed. I laughed. I remember it. I was like, "Eh, hey, is there more?" I love WordPress. It always says, "Read the previous one. Read the previous one." I read that guy's blogs. Zote. Zote. I read all of Biko's stories in one sitting. I I remember going to to bed at around 6:30 a.m. When I woke up at midday i said i'm going to start a blog the reason why she sent me that blog post was because when i got into university i started writing but then i didn't know what a blog was i was just writing and printing so i write and print and then a few of my friends read about 10 and then they told me eh hey, read this guy when you come back to uni i didn't have a laptop or anything at home you can you can use the computer lab you start a blog i i didn't even wait to go to the computer lab in uni after 3 months i went to university of nairobi has a as an annex in Kisumu so i went to use that computer lab. that's when i went and started writing and posting over there and i kept writing ever since by the time i was getting to tadia i was in student leadership i was a blogger i had a column in the standard i was doing well in fact first year second year sikonga na pesa my mom also like had an issue with a jobo so i i didn't really have money even though i had help eh? but we used to burn through it in the first month so i i decide that i'm going to to become a, a writer tadia i'm like this law school i want to quit it so at that time i've also i'm also like doing like campus magazine like i started doing campus magazine it became popular in my class and then became popular in my campus and then became popular in UN we even started something called campus chronicles i don't know if you ever heard of it and because of that i started writing for standard a column called campus rover it was started for me so we started doing capital campus came when i was like 3 years into telling campus stories Capital Campus in fact wanted some of my stories from my blog but then they wanted to pay me 200 for it I was like 200 per piece why do I why I'm 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 a columnist at Standard I am a student leader I get up I get paid I like I was just and I have a st- Campus why would I sell you my story for 200 I told them to fuck off but then they became bigger than us later hey, this Chris Kirubi money farm <laughs> Our campus chronicles I, i was working with some friends of mine we we lost we started differing with issues me i wanted to tell campus stories and campus lifestyles them they wanted other things do fashion stunini i wanted to print the magazine in a glossy paper i'm like who is going to buy a glossy magazine in campus for 
people used to buy our magazine because we were selling it at 30 bob and we were printing it on a, a four paper, you know, printing paper. So I just concentrated on my blog and by the time I was graduating, I told my mom, you know, I've really passed, but I want to become a writer. Now here's the thing, yeah, and we need to understand. If you wanted to become a lawyer, you remember we fought with my mother about dropping physics and not being a doctor and all those other things. And then I became a lawyer. And then now I've gone to law school for four years. And then I tell her I want to become a writer because nowadays I'm famous on the internet. Famous meaning I had 3,000 followers on Twitter and about 5,000 friends on Facebook. You know, 200 followers on Instagram. Like, brother, like, mom, do you know people know me? Like... I go to events and people ask me, are you the magunga? I write for the paper, I can only become bigger. And then she's like, why can't you do both? And I'm like, I don't want to do both. I just want to do one thing and that is writing. And then we fought, we fought, we fought. I moved out. And there is always that, that itching thing, right? Where you're like, but what if I became a lawyer? Because sometimes, man, the arts industry is garbage. Because sometimes you write and you know, like money is coming in, you, people are like, you have corporates on your blog, you know, some time and then you get like a writing gig and everything and, and everything is working just fine. But then there are times when it is bad. When it is good, it is great. When you're writing and you're, 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 you don't have a blog, you're just stories are flowing, you, you have clients, clients are happy with the work you're doing and you have gigs coming in. Writing is, you, you do not even think about law school. And then, when it is bad, it is in the pits. In the pits, in the sewers. And, and so sometimes you think, but what if I became a lawyer, man? You know, it's just two years of my life. I can just go to KSL, apply, graduate, have my practicing certificate, become an advocate. Sometimes you think about it, and it, 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 goes, it goes back to identity. Who are, who are you? What does the government know you as? Who are, what are you going to be in your life when you grow up and all these things? And now there is this thing. It will always, it will always be there because I remember when my friends were graduating from law school and they were getting their practicing certificate. I was like, wow, you guys, I wish you all the best and everything. But there is also that longing for like, I could still become an advocate. I could still go and just get into government tender and procurement and make my millions and have a huge house in Runda that has a kitchen in the bedroom, you know. It gets bad when you can't create, number one, when words just don't come out. And then it gets bad when opportunities start slipping off. And I sometimes I think about it and I'm like, maybe I did not do, I did a disservice to my writing when I made it my source of income. Because when I was writing, when I started writing and I was enjoying it and everything, it wasn't my source of income. I was a student. It was giving me side hustle money. But now when it becomes your main hustle, now you put it under stress. And then it, when, it, when it doesn't do its job, it starts stressing you out. And when you start stressing out, that's when you stop creating. And when you stop creating, you stop making money and the cycle continues. But, you know, sometimes you, you think about it and you're like, I spread my bed, I'm going to lie on it. I already made it, I'm going to lie on this bed. I'm going to be a writer and I have no other thing that I'm going to do. These this fantasies about becoming a lawyer, they will just remain that fantasy. And maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. And you know, that's the reason why I broke up with my then girlfriend from campus. Because I remember the time when I was now moving out of my mother's house. I was stressed. So I went to her house, spoke, spoke, spoke. But then she was on the side of my mom. She was like, what is this? You know, this, you know she was talking about this writing thing. Like it's, it's like, really? 
And that's when now it hits you that when you start following your dreams, people tell you you can become anything you want to be until you start, you choose what you, you want to be. And then you realize that when they said you can be anything you wanted to be, they meant you can be a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, a banker, and all these things. But they never meant that you can become a blogger, a photographer, or an influencer. We disagreed with my girlfriend on what on my career. And the day I, moved, I stepped out of that house, it was almost like an unsaid breakup. Up to today, I don't think we've ever had that conversation with her. And probably she doesn't know why I left. I just walked out. So the business of writing in, in itself was sometimes you meet clients and then they go like, you know, we wanted Bikozulu to write this, but now we can't afford him. So can you do it? So me, I'm like, am I your budget Bikozulu? Like, fuck, in your mind, you thought that you'd come and tell me that and then i would do it then there is a bookstore right where i was dating a poet and then i had a blog that was performing well so she was self-published the problem with being self-published is that you have to do everything yourself distribution included so mimi this one time i'm looking at um, the guardian website and then i see a, a link to a bookshop i open it Kumbe the guardian website has a bookshop segment so i thought I can replicate this. So that's what I did. I started a bookshop on my website. And the idea was just to help her sell her books. And then when some of these other friends of mine who are writers and have books saw it, they were like, why can't you sell for me my books as well? And then that's how it started. And then Kidogo Kidogo, it was writers from Uganda. Then Kidogo Kidogo, it was writers from Nigeria, South Africa. And then that's how I started a bookshop. That was now a kind of business that I was getting into. First of all, I was only selling African books. Now, when I started selling African books, to be honest, around it wasn't that much of a big deal. Yes, there are books that were there are bookstores that bookstores were selling African books. I can't say I'm the one who started selling African books in Nairobi. But then I will, you know what? I'll take some of the credit for the kind of hype that we built around reading African literature and in producing a diverse kind of segment to African literature. Because Kitambo Nilikuanenda, and no shade to any of these stores, but Ulukonenda, TBC, Prestige, Bookstop, African was just like a shelf, and it was called Africana. If it wasn't Ngugiwa Thiongo and Chimamanda and Babasegi, it was, you know, these other White set life. books, you know, like, and then Wildlife, <laughs> thank you. And it, I was like, really? At that time, my then girlfriend has a hard time putting her book on the shelves because it is self-published. Mm-hmm. Because it's self-published, they say they cannot verify the quality of the book because it didn't go through a publisher. So we can't put it on our shelves. You know, that kind of gatekeeping. At that time, she's selling her books by herself. She sold about 1,500 copies. But then, you know, it was hectic. You know, like if they had the support of these distributors, they would, they would help. I won't say which distributor said what. It's just one of those ones. Now we started this thing. I realized... And I realized this when I started the books, bookstore. People had a hunger for African books. And also, the people who do not like African literature are people who only interacted with African literature from high school. So people who were introduced to The River Between and Sikunjema and Coming to Bath, and they hated those books because of the way they were taught. So you are taught that books from Maju, you only read to enjoy. But books from Africa, you read to criticize. Where, where is the theme of poverty? This character development, what is the name of this character? Why does he behave like this? You never just read a book for the sake of reading a book to enjoy. And that's now what we wanted to 
to debunk. So people would call us and ask so many times. I don't know African literature. Me, I read John Grisham and 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 Daniel Steele. People read Sweet Valley High, Sweet Valley University, Famous Five, and Mills and Bones with their kids, and they were reading them and Ladybird, you know, and they were reading them for the sake of just reading to enjoy a story. And then they got to high school and they were introduced to. African literature and unfortunately that's how many people are introduced to African literature in high school and then you get there and it is something that is being discussed so you are thinking about I know they are very they are very hard books eh? they are books that are showing either poverty or family problems or and you have to you know these other ones also show poverty and and family problems but that's not how you know you are beaten if you do not remember paragraphs upon paragraphs you know and it is sad that that is how people are taught literature in school they are not even taught to enjoy a book nobody was ever given coming to bath and told ebu just read this book as a story mm-hmm. the story of martin were and paulina just read so as we wanted people to enjoy african literature and we did so well we did so well the book so grew and grew ah, unfortunately at some point it started tanking because of organizational problems one of our partners we just to up realized this guy took about 450k from the bookstore and made out with it and it just breaks your heart man after about 4 5 years and it's a small business and then it's very niche it's african literature you can't just grow you can't go past and as we are doing african literature for story story so we are not doing set books or textbooks we are not doing all those things it's very niche the room for growth is very narrow but now with this whole story it's not even in court i don't it's it's it really left us at a bad place left me at a debt and now those are the points where now you're like why the hell am i doing this thing i was doing this thing because i love stories this is a stress that i did not sign up for you know so some at some point i'm just like maybe i should even just drop out drop the suit altogether I focus on my writing on my blog which actually earns me some money mm-hmm. f- concentrate on the things that matter even when I don't have money and I manage to put out a story that myself I am happy with not necessarily a story that will trend that feeling I don't know if there is a word to describe it it's kind of have you ever had a good sneeze <laughs> <laughs> or 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 a good dump and you feel light you feel happy you feel relieved um sometimes i take on projects and i decide i want to write about this person and man everyone i've written about and posted on my blog none of them has told me that i misrepresented them or i did i didn't capture it properly all of them are usually all of them all of them are happy with the thing with the way the story is comes out. And so it's not a, a story that I exaggerate. It's not something that I exaggerate for the sake of readership. I don't exaggerate for the sake. I just write someone else's experience honestly. I wrote about Monique, eh? And the way you tell me the story is the way I'm going to write. So the parts where you tell me while making jokes is the part where I'm going to write while making jokes. The parts where I can see when you're telling me about it and it is sad and you your balancing tears is the parts where i'm also going to plug in a dagger and twist and bring out all the waterworks so this one time i've wrote i've written about pregnancy but when i was writing about monique when she was telling me this story about her giving birth and her pregnancy experiences it was the story behind it was a sad story but the way she told me that pregnancy story was so funny when she was describing her fat feet her experiences in the ward 
where she almost slapped a nurse for telling her to push harder and she was already tired you know all those stories so you put that and then you put it out and people read it and you're like i don't want to laugh because it's a sad story and that part is supposed to be sad but god damn it is so funny and th- those moments where you have done well and everybody agrees that you've done well nothing compares and then there are times when now shit shit comes down i remember there's this column that opened up my friend who was writing it wanted me to take it over and then there was some drama around it i didn't get the column though i would have loved to write it but i got i got space to write in this paper to write almost similar things so i was just writing over there as a guest columnist and i just i was having fun with it i was being published regularly almost weekly back at some point my editor said you know what this space that you keep on writing as a guest columnist you just take it and then juicy upper about a month or month and a half ago i wrote a story and then you know this all this period you know like she's now like even telling me you know you you might even we might even like get you this this space for you to write it consistently under contract and everything with your own name so in so in my head i was like ah in as much as i didn't get the space that i wanted mm-hmm. and i have no problem with the person who got it like it's not yours see it's a media house mm-hmm. that space belongs to them they choose whoever they want to choose i i i say yeah that would be fantastic because me i'm not in competition with anyone me i just want a place where i can i've always wanted that legacy kind of thing you get a space or you get a column and you write it for 10 years and you leave your mark you leave a body of work i do that on my blog i've already done about 9 years 10 years so i was like ecstatic and then i send in an article it is published one weekend i'm at my cousin's place and then i get a phone call and i'm told eh there is a problem this story you wrote they say the people up there say that you went too far with it they say it is against their policies and everything so me i'm like this story went through a sub editor went through you the editor went through probably the newspaper editor it was published none of you people gave me any feedback because also i don't write sensational i don't just go to write nonsense for the sake of getting readership it's a trap that many people fall into it's a trap i didn't want to fall into it's a trap i've never fallen into and i was looking at other what other people write and i'm like pe- people have written worse it was edgy but it wasn't it wasn't what it was painted out to be to so i was being told so i've been told to let you go at the end of the month i said so so they i was told no, but you can continue contributing until the end of the month for the next two weeks i was i told you i was mixing drinks in my cousin's house i left i came back to my house like i i made a few phone calls i sent it to some of the people who i respect guys told me honey what is the problem with this story there is nothing you've said here that is yeah it is it is it is comical it is it is your normal writing so why is this causing you problems now i also didn't understand it i drove when i left that house when i was making phone calls and i was over there so when i i just left got into my car you know that waving waving what i didn't know is that this waving waving thing i had just been holding back the moment i got into that car and we drove and i was on the highway man i don't know why but i started crying for i was just like what the hell is this this is something that i've always wanted to do i got it i was this close to it and then now apparently i fucked it up but i don't know how i fucked it up like it was just one of those things where i wanted so badly and then i almost got it and then i was just watching it slip away and it was so painful man it was so painful i parked my car in the, in the parking lot and then when i thought i was done crying i just texted my editor and i told her you know what 
tell them that they don't have to wait for two weeks for me to let me go. Tell them that I have resigned now. Like, it's fine. Just pay me for things of mine that you published. Story That's how it happened. I remember about last month, I got my, my payment from them for work I'd done so far and I hadn't paid. I don't know, it's money that I, I didn't like receiving. Because it was almost like a nail on the coffin. Like, I knew I was done with these guys, but this is what they owed me, so they sent it. They've never had a problem with payment, by the way. So they sent it, and it was almost like, you know, like a goodbye. You've really lost that thing that you really wanted. And those those moments, those moments are painful. Sometimes you you finish up with them and you're like, you know what, it wasn't mine. It was It really wasn't mine. It wasn't mine to give. It wasn't mine to take. It was always theirs to give. So if they didn't give it, then that's fine. I will just now go back and concentrate on other things. But the thing is, after that incident happened, I didn't write. I didn't write for almost... I didn't write on my blog. I didn't write for anywhere. About two months. Mbaka Jana, at the time when you're recording this now, yesterday, that's when I posted a new, a new story on my blog. That's when I sat down and wrote. So... Those periods where you are in the dumps, now, you know, the thing is for me, and fortunately for me now, I get, I get income from other things like influencing on social media and stuff like that. If I don't write, doesn't mean that I will sleep hungry or I will sleep outside. I will continue posting. But the things that now writers go through, you know, you go online, you make jokes, you are just over there like, you know, laughing, laughing at whatever is happening. What people do not know is what you're going through as a creative. Like you're down in the dumps. It's it's a horrible place to be. So it fluctuates. It's 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 great. And the problem is that there is no middle. There is no more time when you're just writing and it's just, yeah. Uh-uh. It's either you're writing and you're creating bangers or you're not writing and you're you are miserable. I thought I was. I thought. I thought things don't phase me. You know. I thought me. I'm a, I'm a lion. I'm a goon. I'm a little man from Sierra. Things like this do not do not phase me. And then you realize you're not as strong as you thought. Winter has come for you, and you are in the in the in the cold dark. You know the best way to get out of those things, and it's easy to it's easier said than done. You to sit down and write another story and get it out. So yesterday when I wrote. This story that I wrote, I, I couldn't get the strength to write it because now, again, identity. These things that chip away from your identity, you're like, I was, I was going to be a successful writer. I was going to be this successful columnist with a body of work over a period of time. And now this has happened. And then this, your identity as a writer, is always being scratched. Eh? Things scratch it. Now, like when you lose your job, you know, you lose your job in the middle of a pandemic farm. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. This is, this is, leave alone even the fact about it validating you as a writer. There is the aspect of money. This money I was making, it was, it was going to, it was paying part of my rent or buying me like shopping for the house. At this time, that's when, you know, like relas are calling you. They're like, hey, bro, things are bad. Can you help? You know, like, and even your friends, eh? some are not doing so well. So you support. So it's it's losing that kind of income in the, in the middle of it. It's, it's horrible. And and that's when you realize, fam, hey, 
this writing man sometimes maybe i shouldn't have become a writer you, those those doubts for maybe i should have just become an advocate it would have been much easier and much better the other day i was watching i was i was i wanted to play something on youtube and then you know these ads that play before youtube so i wanted to 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 to, to press skip and then i heard this person this lady say i'm a multidisciplinary artist and then i was like pause you know all this time i've been struggling with who am i because i i'm a writer i do creative writing and i do prose i've done last year i did a play twelve for birds i was part of a group a writing team of about six people but then by and by i've started taking pictures and people like my pictures especially the travel pictures that i take by the juicy to apa is when i sold my first pictures ever from 2015 La- last week i sold some pictures to some guys in Kisumu and even when I was selling it I wasn't selling it to them because that's the worth of those pictures I was selling it to them because first of all the the money was okay like it it wasn't but you know I've always said I'm not a photographer but there they are photos that people like that people even want to buy so why are you saying you're not a photographer and then I started doing this thing like travel travel I've always been known as a traveler I always do this thing for I love cocktails. Now oh, those are these are the things that I love. I love cocktails. I said making cocktails and sharing recipes online. It's been about, about a year. So juicy happy V, I'm chilling with people and then I'm like, "Oh, I know you. I met you at such a such a place." And then she's like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, I also know you. You're the you're, you're the guy, you're the mixologist guy." And then I sat back and I'm like, "Someone out here knows me as a mixologist." Mixologist. How? Like I am George Williams Magunga Odur, aka opinion i say okay opinion just to honor my mother and i'm a writer and a photographer i'm a lot of things man i i don't know how i don't know how to become one thing i i i don't know how to become just one thing maybe i'm that thing i i had on youtube a multidisciplinary artist catch our next african stories in the next episode ah that is such a beautiful story i really do love it and i especially love the ending where he says i do not know how to be just one thing i think at a point in my 20s i thought you needed to only be one thing one of my very good friends sunny once told me and i'll never forget these words that you can be many yous across your lifetime and it's absolutely okay so you don't have to box yourself into being one thing i guess life is just too big and the world is also just too big for you to do that to yourself and you're also too big you know what i mean like you're full, full of so many talents and so many desires and so so much curiosity and wanting to learn and try out new things that you surely can't just let it be one thing your entire life so now i'm a bit more okay with just being adele as who i am and then saying the stuff that i love to do but definitely identity is something you have to keep checking in with yourself about often remember if you want to tell a story on this podcast all you have to do is send a 1 minute story demo via whatsapp audio note to the legally clueless hotline number which is +2547686287790 i did a video about this on my social media you can find it on my instagram tv i'll put a link to it in the description as well 
And oh yeah, that's another cool development. So I bought myself a camera. So now I'm working at perfecting my video editing, which is so exciting as well. But yeah, the, the plan is to do a couple of videos that are not necessarily tutorials because I'm not an expert in all knowing, but just sharing how I began this podcast and just, you know, from equipment, the little things that I do to kind of keep building it. So wish me luck with that. And also send in your story demos. And oh yeah, thank you so much to everybody who, yes, has sent in their story demos. But those of you who listen to the podcast, relate with it, and then send me voice notes about your feelings around Legally Clueless. Ugh, it really does warm my heart. My name is Dennis. By the way, I have admired you since... The days on Kiss FM, baby, you know, point, your time was in high school. If a point, I'd never heard of you for a while. Then, the, during this period of Corona, my friend recommended me. You are recording about episode 60, 61. Told me that you are, you have a podcast, and since then, I've been hooked. Anytime you send it on Monday. I always get a notification and download it and listen and let's say it's it's been an essential in my week. <laughs> I appreciate the way everyone is vulnerable when they share their stories. Media squeezy, they like they like to sugarcoat everything. Like they're not real. But you, you are real by the way, wherever you are, Maze, you're so so real. <laughs> like I think you did something amazing moving out of KISS and starting this because it's just amazing. I started blogging. Maybe maybe you can read it. <laughs> or text I have some some few-ish followers, about 10, who read whatever I write. And that is enough for me. With them, it's not that I'm an excellent writer. I just like sharing my opinion through words. You've been part of the motivation. Just like to appreciate you. God bless you very very much this week and in your life and whenever you're recording whenever you feel weak get the strength to stand up because you, you, you're, you're among your followers and you motivate us through the stories you record thank you so much dennis for sending that through and i'll definitely be checking out your blog it was so interesting when you said that you listened to me when you were in high school i'm just like how old are you <laughs> and how old am i <laughs> No, but I, I'm just so glad that this podcast is a space that we can all enjoy. Remember, speaking of spaces, you can join the Instagram space at Legally Clueless Podcast. And you can also catch this podcast on Trace Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m. and at 8 p.m. So if you head over to traceradio.co.ke, I'll put the link in the description of this episode you can see the various frequencies. So if you're in Kenya, you can actually tune in the old school way, which is pretty cool. Or you can stream it online as well. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. Bye.